Praise the Lord. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter three. Are you ready for the word of God? Are you ready for this new series? I'm getting ready to make some bold moves. Getting ready to make some bold moves. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter three, uh, verse seven and onward. Bible says one of my favorite passages of scripture says now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses's face because of its glory which has be, which it was being brought to an end will not the ministry of the spirit everybody say the spirit somebody say the Holy Ghost says will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation so it's called death and it's called condemnation the ministry of righteousness which is referring to the holy spirit must far exceed it in glory in fact the holy ghost is saying throw shade to the law come on and then goes on and says uh it says indeed in this case what once had glory has come to have no glory at all am i making it up or is it in the text in the text because of the glory that surpasses it for if what was being brought to an end came with glory speaking of the law again much more will what is permanent speaking of the holy ghost have glory and then two more verses for our reading since we have such a hope we are very bold everybody say bold you gotta put some caffeine in that voice say bold my voice was cracking when i told you to say it stronger so i don't know but anyway not like moses who would put a veil over his face so that the israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end but their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old testament that same veil remains unlifted because only through christ is it taken away everybody say bold moves really and truly you know as i started to think about this this week the lord really begun to put on my heart the importance uh, of the fact that it's time for us to live to a place where we have conquered and overcome fear and intimidation and i believe somebody walked in this place today my god and i know what it's like to be paralyzed by fear I know what it's like to be paralyzed by intimidation and there are many of you who are not yet carrying out what it is that God has placed you in the earth to do. And see some of y'all I see you even getting uncomfortable but I come against that devil in Jesus name because I'm believing today and I'm declaring over this august body of believers that as we get ready to walk out of this place that we're walking out in a bold place and every spirit of fear and every spirit of intimidation and every evil thing that would bring us to the place where we are hindering and walking away from what God has called us to, that it will no longer hinder or stop us. Praise the Lord. And so listen, I want to join, jump in today. I want to jump in today and just really encourage you around, uh, around this. So listen, when my wife and I got together, there are many of you who are new to the church and so you've never heard uh, this story, uh, but I want to share this with you and many of you have been coming and you don't even know how it is that my wife and I got together and so you know the thing was fam that like back in the day 
I was in, I reached to a place where the man them were, didn't want to be single anymore. You ever been in that place in your life? Some of y'all walked in here like that right now, child. And so, you know, I got to that place where I'm like, listen, man, I am ready to be able to experience what it means to be connected. And so I started just going through this season of dating and I just started, you know, going through this place. And it's one of them things that it was just kind of like, man, you know, uh, you know, who, who, where is the one? And I'd be doing stuff like testing the ladies, like I'd be doing stuff like calling in the middle of the night, like it's time to pray, you know? Just stuff like that, just to see how they would respond. Like, would they be willing? I was a churchy guy, you know? I was super churchy. And, and so stuff like that would test to see. I was like, Could you, can you hang? Like, if, 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 if we're ready to go to war, like, can you hang and can you just come along, you know? And the thing was, there was this young lady at the time by the name of Chantal Henry. And she, you know, she used to come down. We were both from Toronto. And uh, she used to come... Uh, come down and there was the only place that there was a Hammond organ in the entire university that we attended was in the uh, women's the females dorm and so I used to go to the chapel that was in there and I used to play the organ and she would be up in her room and hearing the organ playing and she would come down stairs right and she would come down in the back it through the back area and come and just sit uh, pull up a chair and sit next to me or sit in one of the pews that was in front while listening to me playing the organ and so it was one of those things where it just became a practice. Whenever I'd be playing, she would hear me come down or she would uh, come down. And the thing is, right, the thing is that it was one of those uh, moments where we begin to struck, we, we struck up a friendship. And the thing is that even though we struck up a friendship and we started to get cool because of the Toronto connection, the man them were not trying to holler, fam. And in fact, I would talk to her about other girls that I was checking can I just keep it real? Can you talk about friend zone? And so it was really, really friend zone personified. We were thinking this is what it was. And, you know, and so I would be talking to her and I'll never forget. There was one time when I got licensed to preach and ordained uh, to, to gospel ministry, she traveled with me all the way from, uh, from where we were all the way up to Kalamazoo, Michigan. I went up with one young lady, come on, who came and was there, who I was interested in. And on the way back down, I'm talking to Chantal Henry about this other young lady. I'm like, man, I really, I really want to get with her. And, you know, she's fly. And this is what I like about her and all of this and whatever. And she's just like, okay. And she's sitting there giving me counsel <laughs> and talking to me about this other young lady. And so this is the thing. It wasn't just that one young lady. There was another one. And, uh, um, you know, <laughs> man's were out here on a... Don't, you know don't hate the player hate the game so that was just what it got back in those days right so anyways i got to the place where uh i was i was talking to this other young lady on the phone and and she she did not she was not having it she actually shaded me and i probably deserved it and picked another guy over me and so i'm like man nobody knows the trouble i see and i just felt bad and i'm like man all by myself y'all don't know that and so <laughs> so anyways i got into prayer and it was crazy because when i got into prayer i heard strongly start getting into prayer 
And the Lord said to me strongly, and there are very few times that I can say, the Lord said. You know, everybody be running around like, God told me, God said, the Lord said, and he didn't tell you none. That was the Taco Bell. Come on, somebody. But that's another sermon. But it was one of those times where I heard the Lord say to me, he said, Chantal is your wife and the mother of your children. That was what I heard. And it was so blatant and so strong that I was like, oh, my God. Like, are you serious, God? And I, it clicked. You ever had one of those revelations where you're just there and then it's suddenly out of nowhere. It just clicks like, wait a minute. She was right under my nose the whole time. The woman that I've been praying for was right under my nose the entire time. However, I was so focused looking out that I missed what was right under my nose. Can I just tell you that some of y'all, even in the context of relationships, but even outside of the context of relationships, oftentimes we miss what God has for us. Come on, somebody. Because we're so busy looking around that we miss what God has for us right under our nose. Oh, that was a life hack right there. Look at somebody. Tell them, tell, them, tell them, don't miss it, neighbor. Don't miss it, neighbor. Don't miss it. Tell them, tell them, don't miss it. It might be. Look at somebody else. Tell them it might be right under your nose. It might be right under and so she was right under my nose and, and I didn't even realize it. And God told me this and it was just so crystal clear. And it was nuts because then when I begun thinking about it, all of the dots started connecting. So listen, uh, you don't know young Pastor Andrew fam. Like, uh, and I'm not talking about the Y-O-U-N-G, the, the Y-U-N-G Pastor Andrew. We were, we were thug life in. We were like to the place where, listen, we were like, if God said something back, back then, it was like that pop-off spirit. Like, if, as soon as I heard something, I was ready to go. And so I heard it so clear. Never even went on a date or nothing. So we went, we left a worship experience. And after this worship experience uh, on campus, get in the car uh, with a friend. She and her friend are in the back. And um, my brethren and me are sitting in the front. I'm in the passenger side. And so we're driving the other young lady and, and my wife back to um, the dorm. And so as we get back to the dorm, we pull up to the dorm. We park and we're getting ready to let them out. And they're saying good night. And I just say, hold on. And, it, <laughs> and trust me, listen, I am, there are so many things that God did, and I'll even share more sign-wise to confirm it. I said in myself, I'm like, God, see, I, I kind of give you a little taste. Now I'm just going to just wind it back a bit. I said, God, if this is the truth, I need to, this just popped in my spirit. I need to apologize to this pastor who I stole jerseys from before I got saved. I haven't seen, see, my BC was a lot different, fam. This is, you, you see, you don't, you don't know Andrew from Malvern, right? There's a, different, there's a different one than Pastor G. Andrew Beresford. There's a different one. So I stole some jerseys from some pa a pastor. And so I'm to the place where uh, I said in my heart, I said, God, if this is you, I need you to, I need to apologize to this pastor for stealing his jerseys. <laughs> so I get to the place where I'm in the cafeteria with my friend right we're sitting at the table she's sitting on the other side of the table i'm sitting on this side with my back to the checkout count the checkout line now the thing is this pastor that i teeth the jerseys from i have not seen him in years right so there's no reason why he would just suddenly just pop up or whatever 
So I'm literally sitting there telling my friend, hey, uh, guess what? I got something really important to tell you, but I can't tell you until I apologize to pastor so-and-so. And she goes, oh, are you serious? Turn around. And I turn around and the man them are standing in the checkout line. You can't make this stuff up, fam. Like, a lie? He's standing in the checkout line behind me and I have not seen him in years. I'm getting up to run because I was shook. Like that just scared the mess out of me. But she goes, no, she grabbed me and she goes, no, you better go and tell him. So I went and I said, hey man, I told him, I pulled him aside, I'm like, hey man, ended up apologizing, telling him I'm sorry for what I did, you know, I didn't mean to do this, it was me, I held back some of the money and all this stuff and whatever, and I repented. And so there was the time after this now, we're coming back home, fast forward from this event, we get up to the dorm and we're getting ready, they're getting ready to get out of the car, the ladies, and I turn around and I go, Chantal, Jesus told me that you're supposed to be my wife and the mother of my children. <laughs> yes, I know. Gentlemen, do not go and do that. That's not the best idea, right? But in this moment, she goes, okay, good night. And she gets out the car <laughs> and slams the door, you know. And we know that moral of the story is I won in the end. We've been married for 13 plus years now, praise God. And we have three children. So... Uh, we know the moral where it all ended up. But what got me to the place where I could be so bold? What got me to the place where I was so ready to, be, to make such a bold move? It happened because I had an encounter with God where he spoke to me and where he also confirmed his word. Come on, somebody. And consequently, I was not allowing, especially because I was in the place where I was desirous of having a relationship. When God spoke to me, it was time to move. And so at that time, you know, I could have been a little more tactful, amen. But just a little more, right? But nonetheless, the boldness that I exhibited was based upon the confirmation of God in my life. Who's with me on this morning? And so here in the text, I'm getting just trying to set this up so you understand this because here in the text we find uh, in, in that the Bible makes it clear we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I just want to deal with it. Notice he starts in verse 7. Now if the ministry of death, everybody say death. Ministry, the ministration, some of your translations may say it means ministry, the ministry of death. Now which one is he talking about? Carved in letters on stone. What is that? The law. What was carved in letters on stone? The Ten Commandments specifically. You see, some people, they don't understand what he's talking about. It's actually very vivid. He calls it a ministry of death. Everybody say a ministry of death. He says a ministry, if the ministry of death that was carved on letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at the face of Moses because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. And I'll stop there. Notice this. He's referring to the law and to what happens in the giving of the law and the purpose of the law. The law was not something that was supposed to be permanent. The law was a system that was put in place by God to reveal the sin and to call out as a whistleblower the sin of mankind to show them their inadequacy, come on somebody, and consequently their need for a savior. 
The reason why I say this, go read the book of Galatians when you get a chance. Because there are organizations out there that tell you and try to tell you that Jesus came to show you how to keep the law. The fact of the matter is, no, that is an erroneous teaching. Jesus didn't show, come to show us how to perpetuate or to keep the law. But Jesus came, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and onward, he says that he came to be the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In other words, they pointed to our need for him. And consequently, it was something that was a ministry of death because it could not empower us to be to a place where we could actually carry out that which it commanded. Are you with me? Oh man, this is so powerful. I'm going to show you something really powerful here in a moment. So he says that the, when it came, it had glory. To the point when Moses came down, that the children of Israel, they couldn't even look at his face. Because of how bright it was. Because of what he was receiving. Although they were down on the ground. They were on the ground worshiping an, an idol that they had created. A calf. But Moses is to the place where he is up there. And he's coming down with the law. But notice it says Moses faced because of its glory. Which was being brought to an end. So the law although it had glory. Are y'all still with me? Although it had glory. The Bible says that its glory, remember the ministry of death written and engraven in stones, that its glory was being brought to the end. And then look at the contrast. I love this stuff so much. Uh, verse 8 says, will not, will not, verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? So if that thing was glorious, then the ministry of the Holy Ghost is even more glorious. Somebody say, the Holy Ghost. Oh, look at this. Look at this. For if there was glory in the ministry, first it calls it death. Now it says condemnation. Everybody say condemnation. Because that's what the law did. The law was something that condemned you. It couldn't empower you to do that which it contained. Not only the Ten Commandments, but also all of the other aspects of the law in Deuteronomy. And all of these other aspects in Leviticus. None of these things could empower you to be a keeper of the law. It just condemned you to death because you couldn't. I mean, I heard a preacher, he was going off this week. I heard him, he was wilding out, going off, talking about the Ten Commandments were given to us so that it could show that we could live holy. And I'm like, no fam, the Bible actually teaches the opposite. It teaches that it was given to show us our, the fact that we are errant as individuals and we are in need of a perfect savior. And then he compares it. He says, it's a ministry of condemnation. The ministry of righteousness is what he calls the Holy Spirit. Must far exceed. Everybody say exceed. exceed. In glory. In this case, uh, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. So there's still people out here who still try to teach you that the law still has glory. But the Bible is making it clear here. Paul is saying, which is in line with the tenor of scripture, that the law doesn't even have any more glory. When you are comparing it to the Holy Spirit because of the glory, it continues in saying that it surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent. Everybody say permanent. The law was temporal. The Holy Spirit and its ministry is permanent. Can I just teach this thing for a second? Somebody ought to get excited about the Bible this morning. I mean, this, this is why, you, you, why we shouldn't be walking in ignorance because the Bible is clear. Can I show you something real powerful? Michelle, I think this is dope. Watch this. So at the giving of the law, 
If you look once, because the children of Israel were down on the ground worshiping a, a graven image that they put together because they thought Moses was taking too long when he was up there in the mountain receiving the law. And in Exodus chapter 32, verse 28, you can write it down and check it out later. 3,000 people died at the giving of the law. 3,000 people died. Somebody say died. See, ministry of death. 3,000 people died at the giving of the law. But look at this. Look at this. This is beautiful. Because remember, he's contrasting it with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2. Oh, I wonder if there's any Bible readers in this place. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that after the Holy Spirit makes his entrance into the world. I feel this preach. Uh, uh, the Bible makes it clear in verse 41 that after Peter preached the gospel of Jesus that about 3,000 people, come on, made decisions for Jesus and came to life in Christ. And so when Paul is declaring that the law is a ministry of death, come on, that does not, that has no glory at all. And he's saying it's a ministry of condemnation. Not only does it point out sin, but not empower you to be able to walk out the things that it commands but also just at its giving at its inception three thousand people died but at the inception when the holy spirit is poured out in acts chapter 2 we see that three thousand people came to life i just love that god does stuff like that to just show us and just just pointed these things out and put them out there and so it's powerful look i'm going someplace because look look what the bible says in verse 11 for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. And verse 12 says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So their boldness could not be, written, could not be founded in the law. And that which was temporary, come on somebody. And the fact that he goes on and he says, even with Moses, look, he says, that we are very bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what is being brought to an end. So look, when he was coming down the mountain, the, he, Moses put a veil over his face because his face was shining brightly. But guess what? The brightness of his face at the receiving of the law was going to go away. And so he goes, you know what? I'm going to veil my face because I don't want the people to see that this thing is going to come to an end because they're not going to honor or attempt to even observe it if they see that this glory dissipates. So when he received the law, he couldn't receive it with boldness. He couldn't present it with boldness. Oh, but I wonder if there's anybody in here that knows that there is boldness that is attached to the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, because it's not founded in a law that is a ministry of death, but it is founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. And so consequently, we can walk with strength and power. I wonder if there's a witness in this place today, not because our promise is based on dead things, but because it's based on something that brings life. Somebody ought to give the Lord praise in this place if you believe it. And so look, I want you to understand this. Note this when he says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Everybody say bold. I love this when he says that we are very bold. This is powerful. This is very powerful because the word bold, one more time, shout bold. The word bold is the word parasia. Everybody say parasia. 
Remember the Bible is written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And the New Testament, for the most part, is written in Greek. And so the Greek word for the word bold or boldness is the word parasia. And it means freedom and unreservedness in speech. Openly, frankly, and without concealment. Without the use of figures and comparisons. Listen, fam, I mean, this is just something that's very powerful when you're thinking about this. Uh, because, in other words, Moses, he could not share boldly. Because what, his, what he was bringing was not attached to something that was permanent. But Moses, but he's making it clear that when we walk, and those of us who have the Holy Spirit, and those who are walking in the Spirit, that we can do so from a place of boldness. We're openly and frankly to a place where we're without concealment and without the use of figures and comparisons. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. And so can I give you point number one? Here it is in our Bold Move series, you know, because this is the reason why I was able to turn around and say something so bold to my wife. Fact is, here it is, point number one, unbridled boldness is birthed out of undeniable God encounters unbridled boldness unreserved boldness is birthed out of undeniable god encounters come on somebody when we're to the place where we've had an encounter with god when god is moving i mean god told me this is your wife and the mother of your children and for those of you who are in this place it might not have been as blatant of a word such as that it might just be the fact that you know you're to a place where you have you have experienced god's goodness in your life i mean what has god done for you i wonder if there's anybody in this place that can celebrate with me because you know that god has done things beyond your belief are there any witnesses in this place i mean there's somebody in this place that can say that god has done stuff above and beyond your expectation watch this when we think about it the, the apostle paul uh, into the church at corinth here he's telling them he's saying that moses that we can now have boldness in the holy spirit and watch this it's attached especially to the gospel of jesus christ in other words what god has done for us and i'm here to tell you that even on your worst day come on somebody even when stuff is going amok in your life when things are out of the ordinary come on somebody and you're like man and this is never going to change you always have something that your hope can be built on come on somebody because even on your worst day jesus still died for your sins is there a witness in this place today that knows and that understands that jesus died for your sins and nothing that you're going through can change that and so the fact of the matter is that this is where we our hope ought to be founded. This is why we can be very bold. This is why we can be to a place where we are unbridled with our boldness. And we're not walking in a place of fear and intimidation. Because guess what? The devil was put to shame over 2,000 years ago. And guess what? That was a permanent fix. When Jesus said it is finished, guess what? No matter what comes up against you, no matter what you're facing and what you're up against, the cross is permanent and it is efficacious and it still rings out to our lives today can you go ahead and put your hands together and give the lord praise today come on somebody and so the fact of the matter is that this is why paul can declare and say for i am not ashamed come on somebody of the gospel of jesus christ this is why paul had boldness it wasn't because he was glorying in himself or what he could do come on somebody but the apostle paul found the place where he was able to glory in the death and 
and the resurrection of Jesus and too many of us you allow your circumstances to cancel out the efficacious nature of the cross in our lives come on somebody you got to get to the place where the things that you're facing don't blind you from the ultimate thing and the best thing that Jesus has ever done for you and so the fact of the matter is, watch this, we oftentimes focus more, and this is our biggest hindrance and where the intimidation lies, is because oftentimes, watch this, we're more focused on what we can do for God than what God has already done for us. And this is why you're like, man, what I have is not enough. And I walk with fear and I walk with trepidation and intimidation because what I have is not enough. Well, I'm here to tell you, baby, that this call that God has on your life and what he wants to do through you is not based upon the little that you have. Come on, somebody. What you have or don't have, it's based upon what he did for you. When he died for your sins, he, he provisioned everything that you need to be able to accomplish everything that he's put you in the earth to do. God does not call the equipped he equips the called come on somebody and so don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that because you don't have or because you're because of what background you came from or because you don't really have enough to give or whatever the case is that this is going to hinder don't let it hinder you because Jesus's work was done at the cross and it is still efficacious and available and this is what we ought to put our trust in I love the hymn writer says my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Oh, we need hymns like that. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Come on. All of the ground is sinking sand. Says, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Come on. Through every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Come on. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Come on. You ought to give the Lord praise, come on, because your hope is built on nothing less. Come on, uh, do I have any witnesses in here that can say my hope is built not on a job, come on, not on a relationship, not on my health or my lack of health. I know that there are crazy things in my life that are happening, but as long as I'm built on the solid rock, I just feel this preaching me today. I wonder if there's someone that, that will go with me today, but I feel like as long as I'm founded on the thing that is the most stable in in my life the death the burial the resurrection of Jesus and the hope for the future that comes because of this then I can walk in a place of boldness so look that's why Paul is able to say it I was able so I shared with you what I did so I was so bold and sharing with my wife what I did because of the fact that I was able to talk with her that way because I have an undeniable God encounter where has it been undeniable? There are some of you in your life where you know there are things that have happened in your life that you know that it is the hand of God. And people have tried to explain it. Some people have tried to explain it away. You know, there are many of you, you know you should be dead by now. 
even just based upon what's in your bloodline you should be dead right now I just want to come against this thing right now because I want you to get to a place where the devil has been trying even scientifically to explain away what only God could have done in your life but I wonder if there's anybody that knows only God can do it come on and even if the doctor prescribes the medicine come on I wonder if there's anybody that knows that the doctors only know what to do because only God is able to give the knowledge that is needed because he's the one that created the body come on somebody in this place you ought to give the Lord praise if you know that only And God has been so good to me. Some of y'all wondering, you look, you say, why is this guy so radical and out of his mind? If I tell you story after story, and I know I'm not the only one. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that has a praise in your spirit because you know, come on, you ought to lose some of y'all. You owe God a praise. Come on, you come up in here waiting for a chair leader, but you know that God has been so good to you. Come on, and you don't need nobody to pump and okay i gotta get to the text so look i'm almost done but this all started with adam and eve come on somebody and the fact of the matter is this whole intimidation bit started back in the beginning of time the bible makes it clear in genesis chapter 3 in genesis chapter 3 verse 7 they were to a place where where they god tells them he gives them instruction this is where it all started this is where the mess up happened in genesis chapter 3 the Bible makes it clear and says here in the text, it says in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3 verse, how many more times am I going to say Genesis chapter 3? <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, <laughs> just buying time. Verse 7, the Bible says, then the eyes of both were opened. This is after they ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. And can I just tell you, this? let me let you know, it was not an apple, okay fam? This is for everybody that thinks it was, oh, and Eve ate that apple. No, it was not an apple. If you find me where the text says it's an apple, I'll give you $1,000. Stop reading stuff into the text. But anyway, I digress. Uh, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here it is. Adam and Eve are naked. The Bible says earlier at the end of chapter 2, says that they were naked and without shame. And the Bible says that because they disobeyed God, that what happens is they end up getting to a place where they cover themselves up with fig leaves. Come on, somebody. Yeah. They cover themselves up with fig leaves and watch this and they begin to hide themselves. And the Bible says in verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. Everybody say hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't it crazy that that sin and that Satan got Adam and Eve, the, watch this, Adam and Eve are not hiding from Satan, but they got to the place where sin made them, the first person that man was hiding from was God. So we're not hiding from Satan, but the first thing that we do is hide from God. And sow fig leaves together and run from the presence of God. Who's with me? So this is the first place that we find that insecurity. Enter insecurity. Not only this, but this is the first place that cover-up happens. Wasn't no such thing as clothes. And now we wear all sorts of clothes. Or the lack of clothes. 
to either rebel, come on somebody, to either rebel against or to cover up our insecurities. I'm, can I just be transparent for a second? It's okay for pastors to be honest. You will not catch me walking around with my shirt off. You will not. I don't even like getting in pools in water. My sister-in-law will tell you, my wife will tell you, I, I do not like it. When we go to the beach, I will wear a wife beater. That's probably not something you should, uh, wait, um, a, uh, Marina, amen, amen. <laughs> I can see some of you like, Susie, did he just say he wore a wife beater? Um, I think we should, can, you, can I borrow your phone? Just don't make it obvious. We're just gonna make a call real quick. No, Pastor Chantel is okay. That's just for those who don't know. But anyway, that's another story. A marina. Amen. So look, anyways, I will not, I, I'll be wearing one of those because I'm just insecure about myself and just walking around naked. I don't have, you know, just the, the muscles and the, the stuff. I'm not like that, you know. Uh, mans are runners, fam. That's what, it, that's what it gets. So, you know, anyways, but that's another. So, so it's just, but this is where it all started. Insecurity. Being to a place where we cover up. We were to the place where we where sin, we start, and we start by hiding from God. It's crazy. And so their perception of their self, because their eyes were open. Their eyes are open because of sin. And consequently now, they start looking at themselves, and they look at themselves from a place of being intimidated and they're fearful and they are insecure about where they're at because whenever we follow the enemy's plan as opposed to walking in what God told us to the result is even though we don't see it right now is insecurity and the result is to be to a place where we're walking in intimidation and so I want you to see this because number two not only number one is unbridled boldness birthed out of undeniable God encounters but number two here it is it'll be on the screens for you the level of your boldness is determined by your perspective. So my question is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? When you wake up and you look in the mirror, do you see yourself as somebody that is not going to make it? Do you see yourself when you look in the mirror as someone who is defeated or because of what happened to my mom or my dad or my dad's dad or whatever the case may be that I'm unable to do what it is that God has called me to? Do you see yourself as someone who is broke or someone who is never going to? I can, I can just even hear in the spirit the conversations that you have. Some of us are dying because of our self-talk. You don't even need an assassin. Uh, you are a suicide bomber. Come on, somebody. Blowing up and, and damaging yourself and damaging other people around you. But you don't need nobody to pick you off because oftentimes we know exactly what we need to hear to hinder us from going forward. And sometimes it's this that is stopping us from what? How do you see yourself? How do you see your situation? Oh, can I just talk to somebody today? Well, I just feel like chains are getting ready to break in this place today because somebody, I believe you're getting ready to see yourself as how God, how, how do you see your assignment? What God has called you to do. How do you see your assignment? Do you, are you looking at yourself and carrying out the thing that God has called you to do through your own strength? Are you walking it out according to what God has called you to? It is a story in the book of Numbers. Write it down. I don't have the time to go through all of it. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 through 33. 
Numbers 13 verse 25 through 33 we find that the children of Israel were promised to go to a place called Canaan. Everybody say Canaan. Canaan was the land flowing with milk and honey. And it was this place of promise that God was going to ultimately take them to after he delivered them from bondage in Egypt. And the Bible makes it clear that they got ready to go into this place. And when they got ready to go here, the Bible says that they, they were assigned to send spies to go in and check out the land. So they went and they checked out the land and they came back like this place is flowing with milk and honey just as God said that it was. Of course, because God does not lie, right? And this place is this way and this place is this. And he, they start listing out all of the people who are there and all of the incredible things that are there because God's word is true. But then a group of them say, but when we looked at the people who were there, we were as grasshoppers in our eyes to them. Oh, come on somebody and so the fact of the matter is they peeped out the promise of God but they were being hindered from walking boldly into the promise that God had for them because of how they saw themselves and I don't know who's in here and feels like they're inadequate come on because of how you started you might look like a grasshopper to somebody that is in your circle or based on your situation but I wonder if it's one or two people in here that know as I said that God is not calling you based upon how you look if he can take a little boy by the name of David and give him use five smooth stones and he only took one of them to dock down a big giant I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that what you have or what you don't have is not going to hinder you come on somebody from what it is that God has called you to do the only thing that's going to hinder you from carrying out your assignment is you and your perspective of yourself uh, are you with me on this morning and so look at this you know the fact is because look they went in and they saw it and they still didn't believe watch this can I tell you this can I let you in on a little life hack seeing is not always believing some of y'all you're like well god if you just give me a little more evidence then i'll believe come on somebody if you just give me a little the fact of the matter is that people people always say well well you know i i believe in jesus if i was walking with jesus on the earth and i was seeing him raising people from the dead and all this sorts of stuff but how many of you know that there were people who were walking around with him on the earth at the time he was here and many of them did not believe even though they saw the miracles. Seeing is not always believing. Are you with me? So how do you see yourself? And what I love about this definition of boldness, paresia, as we were saying, what the C definition of it is free from figures and comparisons. Free from figures and comparisons. In other words, in other words, I don't have to attach life in a parabolic sort of a manner. There are many of you, you can't even talk straight. You always talk. You ever talk to somebody that just talks in circles? You know, and you're just, my wife's looking, like, looking at me like, that's you, fam. <laughs> I always like to paint the picture. But no, there are people who just can't get to the point because they're so intimidated. They're, they're, they're afraid. Of, I come against this right now. The fear of confrontation. Come on. And there are many of you that are scared to talk to people. I'm to the place. And th those who follow my leadership, they'll tell you I'm not scared to have any tough conversations. I didn't start there. Come on, somebody. But I'm to the place where I, I care more about the situation changing for the better. I wonder if I have a witness than having than the difficulty that comes with having a tough conversation in this moment. And I'm here to tell you there are many of you that need to have you are one combo away from your breakthrough. Yeah. 
and the devil's been holding you back and you've been talking in figures well you know what i'm thinking is and what i'm what i'm really feeling is you know that you know you know when the sky is blue and you know and then now so then at some point it just turns to gray and and then you know the clouds just begin and it's like fam what in the world are you saying when you're bold it means you're free from figures who's with me and then watch this you're also free from comparison Oh, can I talk to somebody? <laughs> That's one of the biggest hindrances. There are many of you today that the reason why you can't walk in boldness is because you're too busy looking at Susie Joe's grass. Come on, somebody. Thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. Not realizing that maybe you just need to put some more water on your grass and your grass can be green too. Come on, somebody. And the fact is that Susie Joe's grass have the same dirt under it that yours has. I wonder if there's anybody in this place. And so oftentimes we are focused on, we're focused on, on watching other people's lawn when we should be focused on what God has given to us. So I have a witness in this place and I want to tell you today, you looking at somebody else's marriage, oh if Timmy, if you know, not know tell if Tyrone, let's use Tyrone, if Tyrone would just step up and be like such and such, come on, if he would just step up. I hate when I'm talking to people and my and people be talking to my wife and she be talking about stuff that I'm doing and then the wife would be, while she's, while, while my wife is bragging on me, her uh, the other husband, the other wife is looking at her husband like and I'm like now you made me look like a waste you fam like why are you setting me up like don't do that come on somebody God has different strokes for different folks different processes just like you can't put two dishes in the oven and put them at the same temperature or the same time because they all require different processing times come on there are some of you that can't walk in the boldness that God has called you to and the reason why is because you too focus on what somebody else has but you got to get to the place where you say I'm making some bold moves come on with whatever it is that God's given me and if all I got is a few stones come on if God is capable of knocking down a giant with one of five smooth stones then he can use whatever I have come on somebody there can be hope for my marriage too there can be hope for my mind too there can be hope for my money too I don't need the money you have but I can take the money that I've got come on and turn I feel this preach turn it into something great as long as it's in the hands of the Lord somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise if you believe and so look, as I'm getting ready to come to a close, as I'm getting ready to come to a close, free from figures and comparisons, here it is on point number three. Point number three, not only is the level of your boldness determined by your perspective, I want you to know this, but here is what I want you to do. Because as we're going back to the text now, as we look at this in the text, I'm going to bring the plane down for a landing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible makes it clear and says... Uh, the fact is, watch this, and you know what, and before I even go there, look, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Bible says, unto him who is able, come on, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think, come on church, according not to the power that works in your neighbor, but according to the power that works within you. So it doesn't matter about what I have or don't have or what even my thought process is. How many of you know that God can exceed your expectations and he can do it in and through you? So here it is. Here it is. I want to give you point number three. Cultivate your boldness through intimacy with the Holy Ghost. 
Here it is. Cultivate. Because see, look, he compares the ministry of the law with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the law had glory and its purpose was to point them to Christ who made it clear that he was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and that we, watch this, would not just know that the Holy Spirit is here but that we would be to a place where we walk in intimacy with the Holy Ghost. And in the Bible, the Bible makes it clear that while Jesus was on the earth and write these down in John 7 verse 37 through 39 John 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit was not yet there. Holy Spirit was only falling previously, especially in the Old Testament, upon specific people to accomplish certain tasks. But the Holy Spirit was not available to each and every single person who's with me. And then we see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and onward, that as they were waiting, that the Holy Spirit makes his grand entrance. Can I just summarize? makes his grand entrance into the earth. And so we no longer have to tarry for the Holy Ghost because they tarried. Huh. And once they tarried, the Holy Spirit made his entrance. And now the Holy Spirit is here. I'm about to just lose my mind because see, I just messed with some of y'all's theology. You thought that you needed to come to the altar, come on somebody, and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Y'all don't know about that. Some of y'all know exactly. Jesus, 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 not boogering out your nose, trying to, while you're here, waiting to tarry for the Holy. They tarried because he wasn't here yet. Now he's here. And the Bible makes it clear. Watch this. This is why the Bible says uh, that, that the, the Holy Spirit is actually a part of the salvific experience. Titus 3 5 can I tell you it says he saved us not of works of righteousness come on but it's by the grace of God that we've been saved and he says that it's watch this he says that we were saved by the washing by the regeneration by the renewal of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit is not just some subsequent experience that we get when we uh, flop all over or where we say Jesus really fast but the Holy Spirit comes through faith in Christ that's why Ephesians chapter 1, can I just get, I'm all in the book. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12 and onward says that after, watch this, we've trusted in the gospel. Who am I talking to? After we've trusted in the gospel of our salvation, check it out, Ephesians 1, verse 12 and onward. He says that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which was our guarantee, come on somebody, of redemption until Jesus comes back. Can I talk about it in the book? Come on. So there are many of you that think that you need to come and wait at an altar. Well, the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, it was a part of your salvific process entirely. Somebody ought to give God praise for the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you this on a serious note. There are many people that die and think they're going to hell because they never spoke in tongues. Can I tell you that the Holy Ghost is not tongues? The Holy Ghost can make you speak in tongues. And that's just one of the manifestations, the possible manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? I know people that tongue talk but are the most mean people you'll ever meet in your life. They can speak in ikobo, shandrebeko, stekereboho. And then as soon as stuff happens, come on somebody, they're the same ones. Sticking up all sorts of fingers, gossiping the most mean folk. Y'all don't want to talk with me. How many of you know that you can talk in tongues and fake in tongues and not even have the Holy Ghost? 
same Holy Ghost, there's some fruit that's supposed to be attached to it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that the Holy Ghost is more than tongues. Oh, y'all don't like this type of preaching, do you? I just want to help about three people, especially those religious demons that came up in here talking about, oh, this church don't have the Holy Ghost. You know, almost 200 people been saved. Come on, somebody. In this church since we started and we baptized and God has been leading people to make baptisms happen in this church. Come on, somebody. And there are a lot of you that think we don't got the Holy Ghost because every week I'm not up here. I speak in tongues, but I also believe the Bible that Paul says that I'm more interested in the church getting edification and I would rather speak come on somebody five words in English than a thousand words in tongues and nobody understands what I'm talking I might lose some friends after this preach but I'm going to declare it boldly hey, hey, hey. Boldly, 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 because I believe, come on, this is the stuff we need to declare, because this is the stuff that's hindering people. <laughs> Y'all still my friend? <laughs> look, look at the text. This by Paul says, so this is the thing. So we get saved. Y'all still with me? Look, I want you to understand. I want you to understand this because it's important. The Holy Spirit was not yet there. Now he's here. He's a part of our salvific experience. And watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says that you can't even say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. You can't even declare that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is why. This is why. So look, it has to do with your salvific experience. Uh, yeah, that's why. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and all, the Bible says that Jesus, watch this, is also the finisher of our faith. So Jesus starts our faith. And he uses the Holy Spirit in this salvific experience. But then he also is the finisher of our faith. I love this stuff. Am I the only person that just feels this? I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose my... I love this stuff. So look, he says he's the finisher of our faith. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the, the cultivator of our faith. It's, a, it's through intimacy with the Holy Spirit that our faith is cultivated. That's why the Bible says, watch this, as we continue, says their minds were hardened in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Their minds were hardened for, this, hardened for the same to this day. When they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. It says, so, so notice this. Again, your hope needs to be founded in Christ and what he's done for you. Watch this. It says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So I don't need, no, need, no longer need to walk in intimidation when my focus is on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. Watch this. The, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Somebody shout freedom. And we all with unveiled or open face, as the King James says. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass. I remember as in the King James Version. The glory of the Lord are changed here it is 
into this same image, I'll read it in the ESV for the sake of it, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, from season to season. Come on. From time to time. Watch this. And how does it happen? This comes from the Spirit. Lord, who is the Spirit. Or the King James says, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so it's through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by this? So look, if you are saved, the Holy Spirit is in you right now. The Holy Spirit is a person. In fact, he's a part, the third part of the triune God. The Bible says, watch this, how you know he's a person. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, the apostle Paul tells the church at Ephesus, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed, there it is again, until the day of redemption. How can I grieve him if he don't have emotions? If he's as the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, he's just Jehovah's life force. He's just a power. If he's not an actual person, how can I grieve him? So you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Father is the one who initiates this promise of the gospel. Jesus is the one who carries it out by coming to the earth, living and dying for our sins. And he promised and he says, he says that he is going to send another comforter, counselor by the name of the Holy Spirit. It's not Jesus because there's distinctions between the Father, the Son and the Holy. The Holy Ghost didn't die for my sins. But Jesus went back to heaven after he rose from death and he sent, and this is a pivotal teaching for our church. I believe God's getting ready to do something. Watch this. He sends another comforter. And this comforter, this is who makes his entrance in Acts chapter 2. And now this comforter is God with us. And not only this, through faith in Christ, he's God in us. And our experience with him. Watch this. You have all of God, if you're saved, in you right now. Oh, this is powerful. I don't care if you don't feel it. You have all of God in you right now. If you're not saved, you have, I believe that, and we're declaring to you the gospel. You're going to hear it in a few moments. Then we, you've been hearing it all throughout the singing and all this, that Jesus died for your sins and rose from death with all power in his hands and that you can have eternal life through trust and faith in Christ. If you put trust and faith in that message, you can have God in you now by the Holy Spirit. This is how we say Jesus is in my heart. How is God in your heart? He's in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And watch this now. So now when he comes into your heart, you and I, although you have all of God, your experience with God is determined by how you. Notice it starts by saying we all with open face or with unveiled eyes. This is the beauty. Many of us are intimidated because of what happened with Adam and Eve from going before God. And when you go before God, you come like this. And some of you are Christians and you go before God like, hey, Jesus. Or here, God, hey, Father, uh, I come to you and maybe God, if it's, you know, and we're just like, we're just crying because we don't think that God actually wants to hear us. Can I set somebody free today? Uh, the Bible makes it clear that we can come boldly. Come on, somebody say boldly. We can come boldly before the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. Because our hope is built. Come on, somebody. On nothing less. We can come boldly. We don't have to come with intimidation. And this is what God wants. And so when we open our eyes, when we come, when we're, what is it? This is, how, do you, how do you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit? How do you do this? It's through when you're studying God's word. When you're in worship. This is why worship in church is not a spectator sport. Not only this, can I tell you, worship. See, some of y'all, you come up, you come to church by the last song. 
And I've even talked to some of y'all, you're like, I wait in my car until uh, this, the, the music is over uh, because that's just, the, you know, the singing part or whatever. I'm telling you, how many of you know it's not the singing part? Uh, man, there should be lines outside. And I'm believing that the worship atmosphere in this house, oh, I'm going to plow today because I believe that God wants to do something in this house. I just declare it in the spirit that there's getting ready to be lines outside. Come on, somebody. I'm believing that there's going to be lines outside. And as people walk in these doors, some people are going to fall out because of the glory and the presence of the Lord. And they're going to get up with a revelation of Jesus Christ because this is not just a singing portion. But it's about you beholding the face and the glory of the Lord. And consequently, God will change and empower you. I'm here to tell you, God has stuff for some of you in this place today. And many of us are not experiencing it because we will not open ourselves to intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all didn't even know that it was a thing. And I'm here to tell you today that you can have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Cultivate your, biz, build your boldness through intimacy with the Holy Ghost. You see, as I bring myself down to a close today, I want to tell you about this frying pan. If I could just illustrate this. The fact of the matter is, this is my pan that I use often. Every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, I make pancakes. Come on, somebody. And I make these pancakes, make these pancakes for my family. The fact of the matter is, watch this, that as I started with this thing, I tried to make some pancakes on it. And when I started and tried to make the pancakes on this thing, come on somebody. What I didn't realize is that if I started and made pancakes on it, that even though the griddle got hot, come on, is somebody going to preach with me today? Even though the griddle got hot and it started smoking and acting like it was cooking, when it got to the time that I was supposed to flip it over, I went and I tried to use the spatula. Come on, somebody. And when I put the spatula down on the pan, who's with me on this morning? And I went to flip it over. I realized at that point, come on, somebody, that it was stuck to the pan. Who's with me in here today? And so I went to try and flip it and the pancake started ripping apart. And what I didn't realize is that even though this pan, come on, declared that it was non-stick, that it was self-sustaining, come on, that after a while, the self's non-stick is gonna go away. Come on, somebody. And so my pancakes, <laughs> they started sticking to the pan. And what I needed to do do was I needed something come on somebody call some oil come on and this oil come on somebody when you look at it this bottle it costs about $15 and I'm looking like why in the world would this oil cost so much but I'm here to tell you today that this oil even though it costs much come on this was what I needed to make sure that the pancakes won't stick to the pan who am I talking to today I feel this preach creeping up on me come on because the fact of the matter is that God has called you to make some pancakes in your life 
I don't know what your assignment is. Come on, somebody. I don't know what you're called to do, but God has called many of us to do stuff. And the fact of the matter is, many of us have been hindered from walking. Come on in what God has called us to and the reason why come on somebody is because we don't got no oil in our pan and the Bible is clear I wonder if I got any Bible readers in this place that the Holy Ghost somebody shout the Holy Ghost is likened unto olive oil and I'm here to tell you that the Holy Ghost will make the difference. Come on somebody. If I tried to cook eggs in this pan, come on somebody. The yolk would get stuck to the pan. If there was no oil, come on somebody, on the pan. And there are a lot of y'all in here today that what you're facing, come on, is sticking to you, come on. And it's stopping you <laughs> from experiencing victory in your life but I'm here to tell somebody what you need is the oil of the Holy Ghost he'll make you jump when nobody stepped on your toe he'll make you run when nobody's chasing you he'll make you shout when nobody scared you he'll make you love your neighbor when they do you wrong i wonder if it's anybody in here today that knows anything about the holy ghost the holy ghost don't matter what yoke you're facing doesn't matter what you're up against doesn't matter what the sickness is even if your loved ones died he can give you the strength to make it through I wonder if it's about three people that would put your hands together and open your mouth and give the Lord praise because of the Holy Ghost somebody give him praise yeah yeah somebody shout yeah yeah